And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr, and suits so fine they made Sinatra look like a hobo. Is this your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Really? It's really awful. But I have a lot of things that are on order. You know, credit trouble. Pay more attention to your schoolwork and listen to the radio. You always listen to the radio. It's different. Our lives are ruined already. Eagle Whistler. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the adept Lisa Wolf. In this hour, Edward G. Robinson stars in a radio adaptation of Night Has a Thousand Eyes on the Screen Director's Playhouse from 1949. But first, Lisa Wolf Dillon is our lyricist for Learning the Lyrics. Lisa will read popular song lyrics. I'll try to guess the name of the songs while you play along at home. Right, Lisa? That's right. And to go along with the theme of the evening, we did uh, some disco music. Now we're doing dance songs. Hmm. What do you think, Mike? What's your prediction? Um, I think he'll get two of these. Two? two. All right. Two out of three? Two out of three. That's Ain't pretty bad good. if you go with the song title. Yeah. Uh, you know that song, Carl? Yes. Okay, wasn't sure. Two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> Who sings? Meatloaf. There you go. All right, good job. Here is the first dance song, okay? Yeah. I was dreaming when I wrote this. Forgive me if it goes astray. Dreaming when I wrote this. Give me if it goes astray. But when I woke up this morning, oh. could have sworn it was Judgment Day. Judgment Day, yeah. The sky was all purple. Mm-hmm. There were people running everywhere. Hear the popping in her peas there, Mike? Go ahead. No. Do you, Mike? Yes, he A does. A little bit, yes. Trying to run from the destruction, you know I didn't even care. I didn't care, yeah. Um, yeah? I have to skip the chorus. I was dreaming when I wrote this. So I was dreaming me if I, I go this. too fast. Sue me if I go too fast. But life is just a party, and parties weren't meant to last. Parties weren't meant to last. War is all around us. My mind says prepare to flight. Hear the peas? Stop it. Yeah. So if I got to die, I'm going to listen to my body tonight. Body tonight. That's all I can give you. I start from the beginning again. I was dreaming when I wrote this. I was dreaming when I wrote this. Forgive me if Forgive it goes astray. Forgive me if it go astray. But when I woke up this morning. When I woke up this morning. Could have sworn it was judgment day. Judgment day. Yeah. That's all. I mean, that's it. That's all I can give you. No, there's more. Well, I said it already. You want me to repeat it? Mm. I was dreaming when I wrote this. What's the second line? Forgive me if it goes astray. Forgive me if it goes astray. Kind of, I can hear it in my... Yeah, you know this song, but when I woke up this morning, could have sworn it was Judgment Day. Uh Uh-huh. The sky was Lead me up to the name. I did. There were people running everywhere. Hear the popping. Trying to run from the destruction. Yeah. You know, I didn't even care. Didn't even care. That's it. Running with, I don't know. Don't know? I know it. I, I know just, you do. I can't get it. All right, let's hear it. Oh, Prince. When I wrote this. Forgive me if it goes astray. 1999. That's it. 
this morning. I'm on this judgment day. <laughs> 1999. If you would have given me the 2000 I would have gotten it. You didn't give me that line. No, I didn't. Because that's the choice no. that leads up to 1999. Yeah, but why couldn't you give me that? Well, because you I... should have. I said, give me the line that leads up well, to the... Well, I gave you the line that I felt led up to that line, which is yeah, the but chorus. Saying 2000 if you would have said that to me... Well, that's not the title, yeah, and I it, would have gotten it's, it. It's pretty close to right, the title, Mike? though. The, isn't she supposed to? Why read are me you the, asking Mike for? But like Mike, a, isn't she supposed to read me? Isn't she supposed to read me the lines? It's There's Lisa's no supposed game, to. Rules. There's no supposed to. Who says? Why does she get to make the rules? Because <laughs> it's her game. It's my game. Why do you continue to need Why reassurance from game? Mike? Why is it your game? Because <laughs> I made it up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're just a sore loser. Uh, you're walking home tonight. <laughs> you just hate it letting, when you don't I'm get not, it. I'm not letting you drive in my car tonight. <laughs> I'll sit in the back. <laughs> All right. All right. You were very That's close. That's not fair. You should have said 2000 Party over. Oops. Out of time. And I would have been like 1999. Well, I, I felt that it. that 2000 But why couldn't she have given me that line? I could it's have. Lisa's I chose game, not it's to. It's rules, but I agree with you, Carl. Okay, see? Oh, I mean, there we he's, go. He's, no, he's being fair. Because that is a line in the, in the song. It is and a it line doesn't, in the song. But it doesn't say the title. So you should have given well, me that. Well, if you say 2000 right? and it's $19.99, it's not, it's not fair to not give me the I, lines. I thought it was fair. No, it's not. Okay. So well, I, I, that's, that, that, so that one doesn't count. So you definitely got No, that, that one doesn't count. No, I didn't get it, and oh. but I did I not think you, get it. I think you got it. No, zero. I, it's just 2000 that, That's a wash. That one was a wash. Okay. Go ahead. Well, it's my game. It's like my you have rules. two songs on this one. Is that right? Yeah, that was a that was okay, a do-over. Okay, do now over. I'm going to make it harder to on do you. over. Now it's a do over. Okay. Go ahead. All right. Do over. I come home in the morning light. My I mother come home says, in the morning light. "When you're going to live your life right?" Oh, this is um. Yeah, I know what this is. This is um, Cindy Lauper, and this is um, yes, it is. And this is uh, girls just want to have fun. That's it. One of my favorites. Good one. I love this song. It's a great video too. It is. Yeah. I just I think Cindy Lauper's awesome. Yeah. I really do. She's great. All right. All right. See if you read me the line. If I read you the lines, you always yeah, get that. I'll so get I'm pretty it. sure it was I'll my get it. fault. So Definitely. I'm one for one. You're not. Yeah. Okay. You're not. Okay. You're, you're walking home. Okay, but you're not. Uh, let's go to the next song and see if you're allowing this to count. Okay. The, <laughs> <laughs> I get it, it, it counts. If I get it, it counts. Okay. You hold me tight. You hold me tight. Tell me I'm the only one. Want to come over tonight. Yeah. 
keep on whispering in my ear. On whispering Tell in me my the, ear. Yep. Tell me Tell all me the things, things that I want to hear because it's, it's true. true. Um, Tell me all the things that I want to hear because it's true. Yeah. And the next the next sentence is the chorus. Oh, okay. I won't read it to you. Tell me all the things that I want to hear because it's true. Um, yeah, keep going. You really know how to dance. You really know how to dance. When you go up, down, you jump go up, around, down, think jump about around. true romance. True romance. Yeah. Yeah. Keep on whispering, whispering in, in my ear. ear. Tell, Tell me, me all, all the things, things that I want to hear because it's, it's true. true. That's what I like about you. Boom. This is What I Like About You by The Romantics, which is what you are. Yep, very romantic. romantic. And you yep. know what? People would you say You got I'm... two out of three. Just like Mike had a spectrum. There you go. Because <laughs> it's true. That's what I like about you. That's what I like about you. All right, Lisa. All right, well. I got two out of two. You got two out of three, which is exactly what was predicted. I predicted two correct, so. Yeah, so I got it. All right, when we come back, it's Edward G. Robinson in uh, the Screen Director's Playhouse. Don't miss it. Stick around. Two out of three. That's what I like about you. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-494-8310. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Leading Hollywood stars performed in radio adaptations of their popular movies on the Screen Directors Playhouse. But there was an added element, Lisa. There was a director participation in each episode. The actual director of the film would introduce the movie and make a curtain call at the end, to chat with the stars. It was really great, very popular. Directors included Alfred Hitchcock, John Ford, Frank Capra, Billy Wilder, just to name a few. It came to NBC Radio in 1949, lasted all the way to 1951, and it made a transition to television. Don't ask me how. How can you make you know this work on TV? I have no idea. But it was amazing on radio. They would take a 90-minute film and condense it into 30 minutes and they usually had the original film star and on this particular episode night has a thousand eyes it does have the film star in it edward g robinson good story about a man who can see into the future and can even see his own death the uh, director is uh, on hand 
to uh, to introduce the film, Bill Karn. So let's tune this in now. Here's a February 27, 1949 episode of the Screen Director's Playhouse. From Hollywood, the NBC Theater presents... Screen Director's Guild Assignment, production Night Has a Thousand Eyes, director John Farrell, star Edward G. Robinson... NBC Theater presents the Screen Directors Guild production of A Chronicle of Fear. Paramount's Night Has a Thousand Eyes, with its original team of screen director John Farrell, screen star Edward G. Robinson, and William Demarest. Although technical and artistic skills are the everyday instruments of the motion picture director, the very heart of his craft is fashioned from another sort of knowledge, the knowledge of the world in which he lives, and that can be gained only by living a life rich in experience. Such is the background of tonight's guest on the NBC Theater. A native Australian, he has been a seaman, soldier of fortune, adventurer at large, and has made an enduring mark as a scholarly writer of fiction and non-fiction. Here, then, is the director of many famous Paramount films, such as Wake Island, Two Years Before the Mast, The Big Clock, the soon-to-be-released alias Nick Beale, and tonight's story, Night Has a Thousand Eyes. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. John Farrell. Night Has a Thousand Eyes is a story of the supernatural, but it is not a flight of fancy. Counterparts of the strange phenomena in tonight's story have been the subject of recent scientific study by some of our universities. Thus, through the medium of film, and now through the radio, we attempt to reveal a bizarre and a rather terrifying aspect of the strange, strange world in which we live. Now, for the first time on the air, here is Night Has a Thousand Eyes, starring Edward G. Robinson as John Triton with William Demarest as Lieutenant Sean. In the drawing room of a fine suburban home, a young man named Carson reads a strange manuscript while the company listens gravely and silently. My dear Carson, as you read this manuscript, I will be dead. No one is to blame. My death was as certain as all the other strange events I foresaw. Some of you who have seen me die will doubt this story and dismiss it as a series of contrived events and coincidences. But you, Carson, and some of the others will know that there are things on Earth still hidden from us, still secret and unfathomable. I suppose most men can look back and see the exact point where destiny touched them. My destiny came upon me on the night of August 3rd, 1929. 
I was billed as Triton, the mental wizard. Like most mind-reading acts, it was a phony, but a first-class phony. Jenny, my lovely fiancée, had collected all the questions from the audience, and my good friend Whitney Cortland was ready for his part at the piano. Now, ladies and gentlemen, from where I stand, I shall endeavor to read the questions which you have written and which are now unopened, mind you, in that glass bowl. Now, if I may have a little quiet music, Mr. Cortland. Let me see. I sense a name, a lady's name. Brian. No, by Byers. That's it, Byers. Uh, Clara Byers. Miss Byers asks a question. She wishes to know. She, uh. She. Something's wrong. There are disruptive impulses coming from the audience. A woman in a white dress, a little boy. Uh, uh, madam, uh, you there in the third row. Your little boy is in great danger. You must go home at once. At once! Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll continue where we left off. If I may have some quiet music, Mr. Cortland. The incident disturbed me. But then I forgot about it entirely until late that night when the telephone rang in my room. It was the woman calling to tell me that she had come home to find the boy's room in flames. She had arrived just in time to save the child's life. And I was worried, deeply worried, although not yet frightened. There were other incidents, one of them brought on by Courtney's usual concern about our economic situation. Well, kids, it's the same old story. Broke again. We could stand a little ready cash. Matter of fact, I'm going to put our last ten spot on ready cash in the fifth at Green Meadows. Ready cash? No, no, uh, not ready cash. He'll fall and have to be destroyed. Pay again. Pay again by two lengths. Ready cash fell and had to be destroyed. Pay again won by two lengths. It occurred to me that we might make fortunes this way. I didn't want to. It scared me. I began having a crazy feeling that by telling them, I was making the things come true. I began to wonder, would anything have happened if I'd kept quiet? And then one dismal rainy day, I had my chance to find out. I was coming out of the theater. A little boy recognized me and asked me for an autograph. And then he turned to skip away. Wait, son! I'd... I'd had a vision of a car skidding on the slick pavement. A wild cry. And then I thought, no, perhaps if I keep it to myself, it won't happen. Uh-oh, not, nothing, son. <laughs> Just run along now, run along. He went. A moment later... It was no use. After the boy's death, I knew I could foresee these events, but I was powerless to prevent their coming true. Look, Johnny, I just met a big oil man down in the lobby who wants us to come in on this, uh, this Comanche Hills oil field. Well, so what? Well, do you suppose you could get a hunch on a sporting proposition like that? Might make us a lot of money. No, 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 it's no good, Court. We're washed up on hunches. Why, Johnny? Well, because I'm scared, Jenny, plain scared. I haven't had a very good feeling about it myself, Johnny. Well, all right. We'd better get down to the theater then and earn it the hard way. 
Curtain in 20 minutes. And now, ladies and gentlemen, if you will all please concentrate on the sealed questions you have addressed to me, please. Uh, a little quiet music, Mr. Cortland. I'm concentrating on a particular envelope. A uh, young lady's handwriting. She, the young lady. The lady, uh... I looked at Jenny. Stared at Jenny, so beautiful, so... So fragile and desirable and so much to me. I saw her and something else. Johnny. Bring down the curtain. Johnny, what's the matter? Bring down the curtain, I tell you. Bring down the curtain! Are you sure you feel better now, Johnny? Oh, sure, Jenny. <laughs> I, I, I just felt a little dizzy out there. <laughs> you sure had us worried there for a while. Hmm. Oh, caught. Yeah? Had a sort of a minor hunch about that uh, Comanche Hills oil proposition. Be one of the richest oil pools in the country. Make us all rich. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you, Johnny. Uh, now let's go out and eat. No, uh, you and Jenny go ahead. I'll join you later. Maybe it was the wrong decision. But I went away. What I'd seen that night on the stage had been Jenny's death. If I stayed, we'd be married and there'd be a child. The child would live, but Jenny wouldn't. I had to go away to save Jenny's life and save my own sanity. I knew Cortland would take care of Jenny and Comanche Hills Oil would take care of both of them. Yes, but I knew I had to get away from people, especially the people I loved. I went away. It didn't work. A year later, I heard that Jenny had married Cortland. She died when her daughter Jean was born. I read about it in Variety. For 20 years, I lived almost a hermit's life and had no more visions. This gift or the curse seemed to with it from this use. And then after 20 years, on the night of Jean's debut, I stood outside in the crowd and I watched her go inside the fine hotel, holding tight to Court's arm. Jenny's daughter was lovely, and I was proud. I watched them disappear inside, and, and after 20 years of peace, it happened. For a moment, I saw the image of wreckage, the smoking wreckage of an airplane, and then it was gone. What did it mean this time? So you know what that instrument is that makes that weird sound? What? That's the theremin. We oh, talked about that right. on the Radio we did. Rarities recently. We sure did. Yeah, that's the theremin. It's a it's an instrument 
played without any human touching it or something like that, right? Without human touch. <laughs> That's you, Carl. <laughs> Just aliens touch it from outer space. We're listening to Night Has a Thousand Eyes, starring Edward G. Robinson on the Screen Director's Playhouse, a broadcast from 1949. We will get back to the uh, conclusion of that story and more of Hollywood 360 after a short break. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, and Suspense, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows, along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co-host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back to the show, everyone. This is Hollywood 360 on uh, over 100 radio stations coast to coast. Plus, we're heard on American Forces Radio in 168 countries on their number one channel, The Voice. So we're heard all over the world. And um, if you're listening to us outside the United States, we'd love to hear from you. We want to hear from you if you're inside the United States, too. But we'd like we love getting like emails or texts or something you know or, something. or facebook like or oh, something we're you know. calling we you know we're emailing you from japan or <laughs> we're emailing we're listening to you in um you know budapest or something like that where did you come up with this <laughs> budapest but we do about, we appreciate uh, emails even from lima. right here in chicago <laughs> how about lima or yeah, um we haven't had too many of else? those i don't think how about one in uh portugal yeah it could be portugal the know. man yeah, there might be Portugal the man who there. Who knows? How about um, Istanbul? Right. Well, we appreciate you wherever you live. And if you can find us on email or message or text or Facebook, we appreciate any any way to, to get around Or how about... Uh, oh, no. In... Uh, Istanbul. Uh, it's, I said that, didn't no, I? you did. How about... Uh, Alaska. Uh, yeah. And how, how about um, Burma? Burma. Have did I say Burma? There? I no. I don't think you did. Never been to Burma. I haven't, no. How about uh, one of the islands, like, you know, like the... Um, Dominican Republic out there. Yeah. Puerto Rico. Yeah. Puerto Rico. Oh, you've How got a that? great accent I like there. that, huh? Yeah, I that... sound like I'm a native when I say that. Yeah, you sound... Puerto Rico. Right. Yeah, you sound just yeah, right. don't I? Yeah. Uh, anyway. I think it's um, Puerto, but okay. So whatever. It's Puerto Not Rico, even close. It's Not so, even close. I know. It's, it's P-U-E, <laughs> but so close. <laughs> so close. All right. Well, <laughs> Puerto I Rico. Slap, I get a little it's slap Puerto happy. Rico. I get a little slap happy towards I the end of the show. I didn't notice that. You know, I get, I'm tired, you know? You're a little slap well, happy. Yeah, maybe you'll um, give me a break here. Um, how about um, somewhere like um, in uh, Darkest Africa? Darkest Africa? Right, you know, like. Deep in the jungles of, oh. like the like in the Amazon, right? Right. That would be fun. How would they even listen to us? They'd have to how have about, like a shortwave radio. How about South Africa? 
Yeah, South Africa. Or when penguins, I traveled, penguins oh. from Antarctica. Yeah, yeah, Antarctica. that would be fun. Yeah, what about Uncle Arctica too? Uncle there's Arctica. There's there. There's also there too. That's, yeah. Right. All right, we're listening. Uh, we're getting a little k- kooky. Yeah, we. And we're listening to "Night Has a Thousand Eyes," starring E.G. Robinson in the Screen Directors Playhouse. Here's the conclusion. But nothing happened. And I forgot about it completely for three months. And till one day in my shop, I turned on a small radio I just repaired. Now the 11.55 news brought by your Comanche oil reporter. New York, flying his converted army bomber, Whitney Cortland, multimillionaire president of Comanche oil, took off from LaGuardia Airport early today in an attempt to smash the east-west transcontinental record. He and his pilot, former army flyer Richard Sam... No! I was warned, Gene. Miss Cortland, I'm, I'm sorry to force my way in here, but I have an extremely important message for your father. I'm sorry, but my father isn't here now. Now, see here, old man, I'm Miss Cortland's fiance. Miss Cortland. No, you've got to reach your father when he lands in Wichita to refuel. But why? You must halt the flight. Halt the flight? That's absurd. Why should Father give up his flight? But if flight? he doesn't, this plane will crash. How do you know that? Oh, Miss Cortland, please. You're, you're wasting priceless time. All right, I'll call. But I'll ask you a lot of questions afterwards. I want to talk to Wichita, Kansas Airport. I haven't the number. You make a practice of predicting plane crashes? Oh, no. I'll wait, thank you. Maybe just the planes of very rich men. Oh, please. Perhaps you're betting that he doesn't beat the record. Hello. Hello, this is Whitney Cortland's daughter. When my father lands, have him call me immediately, will you? What? Oh, no. Oh, no! (laughs) The radio had it a few minutes later. In an hour, the extras were on the street. The Comanche angel had crashed in Kansas. Both men were dead. You've been very kind helping me over these past few days, Mr. Triton. I'm so grateful. Your father was my best friend. But if you'd only warned us sooner, if, if you'd only known sooner... I don't think it would have made any difference. Mr. Triton, what's wrong? You have a new maid. Why, yes, why? You have a emerald bracelet. Yes. Get rid of the maid before the bracelet. Before. What? Please, uh, tell me. Jean, it doesn't matter now. Why doesn't it matter? You mean, not to me? You mean, I won't need the bracelet? You... You mean, I'm going to die too? Tell me! Yes. When? Soon? When? Before the end of the week. At night. Under the stars. 
You remember, Carson. You went to the police. They told you, yes, there had been a John Triton mental wizard who pretended to be able to predict things back in the 20s. They sent a certain detective, Lieutenant Sean, to investigate me where I was staying in Gene's house. My first interview with Sean in my little room under the eaves, far from reassure the good lieutenant, for even as I answered his bitter questions, the veil lifted again. And I saw. I saw. Hey, Triton, come out of it. Hey. I... I see a flower. Ah, drop it, Triton. Cut. A flower, crushed and broken. I hear a sudden wind shaking the windows. I hear a voice saying, there's no danger now. And I see her. Who? Jean, lying under the stars. And, and beside her, the paws and talons of a... of a lion. A lion? Under the stars. Did you find out what time this happens to, uh, to Miss Cortland? Tonight, as the clock strikes 11. <laughs> Lieutenant Sean was all for arresting me at once. The rest of you were tolerantly skeptical, which saved me for a while. Downstairs with Jean and you, Carson, were two gentlemen, a Mr. Gilman. Mr. Gilman, president of Mid-Tide Oil. Good evening, Mr. Triton. And a Mr. Myers, attorney for Cortland's estate. How do you do, Mr. Triton? Together, we sat down for the next two hours. Our lives were geared to the relentless machinery of the grandfather's clock that ticked away near the curtained archway. Frankly, I think this is ridiculous. Singing around like this when we should be looking for a packet of missing options? I'm sure I'll find them, Mr. Myers. They'll be worthless in 36 hours. Gina, are you sure you can't remember where your father put those options? Please, Mr. Gilman, I'm much too upset. Well, the mid-tide merger can't go through without them. I suggest Gene be permitted to forget about big business while we all concentrate on... On the clock, Mr. Carson. Shut up, Triton. Four. Five. Six. Seven, eight, nine, ten. One down. And one more hour to go. And so far, nothing has materialized in your weird chain of events. A crushed flower, indeed. A lion, a sudden wind. Anyone interested in the ten o'clock news? Here. Personally, I'm interested in the eleven o'clock news. Which was upset in a collision tonight at Wilshire and Sepulveda. The lion escaped. When a trailer Lion. Turn that off. Lion. Lock the doors. Lock the windows. Put out some lights. I'll lock up. I'll go through the whole house. Thanks, Gilman. Well, there's the lion. We haven't heard a wind or seen a crushed flower or heard anyone say... Don't say no... it. Sorry. Hey, those carnations in that vase. Get them out. Carnations? Get them out. I don't believe any of this, but I'm taking no chances. I'll just let me take it. Careful now. Stand back. Don't anybody move. <sighs> Not a one crushed. <sighs> that was a close one. Mr. Myers, huh? there's something sticking out under your foot. Something, huh? 
Lord. A carnation. Crushed and broken. That does it, Triton. No, not quite. Nothing final can happen until 11 o'clock. And it ain't going to happen because you're around. I'm taking you downtown until after 11. All right, Lieutenant, but it won't do any good. I'll be back at 11. Stand still, Triton. Relax. Yes, but I tell you, Sean, if you let me return to Jean's house, there's a chance I can use this power of mine to save her. You put on a good show, Triton. Only I ain't buying. Now, listen... You have a man on the cell here. His name is Amos Block. I see him in the cell now, a suicide. You don't say. Well, there's one I can check on. Hello. Quinn? Sean. How's Block doing? Uh-huh. Thanks. In his cell playing solitaire. Well, nevertheless, I see him in his... Now I'm going to leave you with the boys here and go back to Miss Cortland's. Be good, huh? Fifteen minutes, too, Jean. Yes. Yeah, everything is under control. It's uh, very copacetic. Ah! Oh, dear. Close that French window. Close it. I'll close it, Lieutenant. I thought Gilman took care of that. Where is Gilman, by the way? There. That does it all right. Sudden wind. Yeah. <gasps> I'll get it. Yeah? Oh, yeah, Quinn? No. Amos Block hung himself in his cell, but he can't do that. That's suicide. Hey, look. I want Triton here before it strikes 11. I don't care how, but get him here. What time is it? Uh, 10.47. Oh, Lord, you made the night too long. Just one more minute to go, darling. 45 seconds. Oh, oh, Mr. Myers. Well, folks, you can forget the lion. They just killed it over at Veteran Hospital. Oh, thank goodness. This is it, 11 o'clock. Elliot. Yeah? Back to back with me. Miss Cortland, get between us. Don't anybody move. I'll shoot the man who does. it, folks. It's all over. Nothing's happened. Oh, Elliot. Elliot, darling. It's all history now, dear. Forget it. Elliot. Hmm? I'm, I'm going outside. I'll go with you. No. I want to get used to standing out under the stars again. Alone. 
and not being afraid. Thank you, dear. Thank you so much, all of you. I'll say this for Triton. He sure called his shots except that voice saying, there's no danger now. You just said it. Yeah, but it's too late now to mean anything. Ain't it? Sean. Come in, Professor, come in. Where is she? Where's Miss Cortland? Outside. You let her go outside? It's after 11. No, it's not. Look at that clock. That clock is wrong. It was right. Well, then it's been tampered with. I've got to go to her. Stop, Triton. Haul her out, shoot. It's too late for that after him. He mustn't get near Jean. Your troubles are over now. There's no danger now. Eleven o'clock. And a voice saying, there's no danger. <gasps> he must have met you. No, oh, you don't. No, please. Gilman. Gilman. Let go of her. Let go of her, you fool. Hey, Sean. Right. Get him. Plug them. But good. Gene, Gene, are you all right? Oh, Elliot. It's all right, Gene. You're safe now. Triton's dead. Triton? Dead? But it was Gilman who tried to kill me. Gilman, he didn't want those options found. But I didn't think he'd resort to murder. Oh, poor Mr. Gilman. He died to save me. But are you all right? My throat hurts. Elliot, hmm? look, Mr. Triton, he's, he's resting against the foot of that, that marble lion. Marble lion, of course. And that, Carson, ends this dark diary. I foresaw everything, even my own death. And tonight at headquarters, I finished this diary. I left it in my pocket for you to find. Only time and the expanding wisdom of mankind will confirm the story in years to come. For there are reaches of the mind still undreamed of. And there are many mysteries of time and space and spirit to be shown to us. The stars look down. The night has a thousand eyes to search the soul of man and see if he's equal to his fathomless tomorrows. Where there are yet more things in heaven and earth than are dreamed of in our philosophy. In a moment, we'll return with our stars. Next week, the NBC Theater brings you another first in radio, a full-hour production of director Billy Wilder's great Paramount film comedy, A Foreign Affair. And starring in this hour-long drama will be Rosalind Russell, Marlena Dietrich, and John Lund. And now, here again are tonight's stars, Edward G. Robinson and William Demarest 
and screen director, John Farrell. John, it's been great fun for Bill and me, slipping back into character for our parts, Night Has a Thousand Eyes. Well, I just hope Bill here doesn't start having one of his visions again. What, you mean uh, cool, solid Bill Demarest is in tune with the supernatural? He thought he was. No, no, wait a minute. I know what you're talking about. And I really did have a vision. Yes? I was standing talking to Johnny on the set, and suddenly I knew one of the camera booms was swinging around behind us. What happened? He yelled, Johnny, fall on your face. Well, did you get hurt? My nose was almost broken. By the camera boom? No, by falling on my face. (laughs) There wasn't a camera within 50 yards. (laughs) Well, I had a vision. Well, we don't have to be visionaries, John, to know that your direction inspired Bill and myself and everyone else connected with the picture. You did a great job. Check, Eddie. That goes for me, too. Thanks very much. But suddenly I seem to be getting a vision myself. What do you see? I see us being cut off the air if we don't say good night. <laughs> good night, everyone. Good, good night, night, folks. And good night to you, Edward G. Robinson, William Damarest, and John Farrell. Night Has a Thousand Eyes was adapted by Milton Geiger from an original story by Cornell Walry. Music was by Henry Russell. Production was supervised by Howard Wiley. Associate producer, Bill Carr. Your announcer has been Frank Barton. Night Has a Thousand Eyes was presented through the courtesy of Paramount Pictures, currently releasing My One True Love, starring Phyllis Calvert, Melvin Douglas, and Wanda Hendricks. Edward G. Robinson is currently making the 20th Century Fox production, The House of Strangers. William Demarest may be seen in Paramount's Technicolor production, Whispering Smith. Listen again next week for the NBC Theater's full-hour presentation of... Screen Directors Guild Assignment, production of Foreign Affair, director Billy Wilder, stars Rosalind Russell, Marlena Dietrich, John Lund. The Screen Directors Guild program came to you from Hollywood. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. That's Night Has a Thousand Eyes, starring Edward G. Robinson, February 27th, 1949. I hope you enjoyed the Screen Directors Playhouse is heard on NBC. All right, it's time for this month in music history. And this is our last song from the 1950s. This goes back to 1957. Is that um, Jerry Lee Lewis? It is. Wow, pretty so good, So this huh? is called Whole Lot of Shaking Going On. This is the best-known version uh, by Jerry Lee Lewis, and the song reached number three on the Billboard chart, 1957. Yeah, yeah Jerry Lee Lewis. He was good, man. Yeah, I mean, you're good too, Carl. Well, Show us what you got. I'm probably a little bit better than Jerry Lee Lewis. Probably, just a little, Just a, yeah, we're like on the same, we're on the same level. For sure. Let's hear it. Shake. There you go. I said, baby, shake. baby, shake. I said, baby, shake. All right. All right. Not bad. Not too bad. All right. More of Hollywood 360 after this. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Join us next week for Hollywood 360. We'll tune into The Saint, The Abbott and Costello Show, The Cisco Kid, The Jack Benny Program, and I Was a Communist for the FBI. 
be sure to visit our official website at Hollywood360radio.com. For my co-host, Lisa Wolf, our executive producer, Mike Costella, my crabby brother, Vince Amari, this is Carl Amari saying stay safe, be healthy, and thanks for listening.